Welcome, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to Two SoCal Gals, the podcast where we talk anything and everything soccer with a SoCal slant. I'm Josie Becker, and here with me always is Alicia Rodriguez. Um, we're going to start off by talking some Chivas. Uh, Chivas USA defender James Riley was suspended for last week's match against D.C. United after apparently picking up a red card after the midweek match against Columbus. What do you make of the lack of information about the red card? Yeah, I mean, for me, this has been a huge story and something that I've been really pursuing, um, you know, the last week or so. I mean, I think this is just a a crazy story, really, um, that I think should get a little more attention. But basically what happened was, um, apparently... (laughs) And I've gotten confirmation, you know, since it's happened that it, it was in fact true. Um, Riley got a red card for dissent after the match uh, against Columbus. It was, you know, again on Wednesday, so you know, it was in a compressed game week. Um, he got it after the match off the field near the locker rooms, so it wasn't in, in the television broadcast whatsoever. Um, it wasn't included in any match reports that I saw. Um, you know, either ones. That, directly affiliated with MLS or the teams or, you know, from other sources that aren't directly affiliated with the league or the teams. Um, and then I didn't see anything about it until it was listed in the disciplinary report um, that's on uh, MLSsoccer.com, um, you know, every week. And I was floored. I, 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 I had never seen anything about it, and I couldn't believe that this had happened. And I think, you know, to be fair, one of the things that made it a little more serious was the fact that, uh, Chivas don't really have a backup at right back. I mean, it's the only position on the field that they really have no backup. So, of all the to get a right card, of course, it had to be the person that they don't really have a backup for. Um, but I think the, the main issue here is that I think there are two main problems with, you know, with this entire situation. I think the first is that there is no system in place where all red cards are reported, um, including those that take place after a match, if, you know, something like this if the referee thinks that a player is being disrespectful or out of line after the game there's no sort of system you know for this to go up somewhere um so that you know fans and and people writing about the team can can follow up on it um and then secondly and i think obviously more troubling is that this this kind of indicates a general lack of transparency about the story and you know after I, i looked at all the different reports about this and couldn't find anything about it couldn't find any stats anywhere on you know MLS's website to support that there was a red card given in this match. Um, I asked uh, Chiefs USA directly, their PR department, and they were apparently caught unaware about the situation, and they had to actually inquire about it. So I think that there, the fact that the situation where there's this much um, this transparency is, is really troublesome. Now. say, do you have an idea of what the incident actually was that garnered that red card? Yeah, so I ended up getting uh, confirmation from the team well after the fact, after they played their the, the following game where he was suspended. Um, they did confirm that he got a, a red card for dissent, um, and it, it took place off the field. Okay, so it's like in the locker room, tunnel, something or other. I didn't even know a player could get a red card at, at that point. That's That's really interesting. Um, but it kind of also ties in to an issue we've seen all year with the MLS Disciplinary Committee. Yes. Where 
there's no guarantee after, you know, the whistle is blown, everyone walks away, things can still change after that point, uh, and they often do. It's been about, you know, one a week at this point, someone getting suspended, um, sometimes for multiple games, uh, and there's really no, I mean, in those instances are at least explained in the press release what, what they're punishing, but it's not something that you know, uh, just by watching the match, you don't know exactly how things are going to go down the line during the week. Yeah, certainly, and I think there's been a... I, my problem with the disciplinary committee this this year has been sort of a lack of a, a, systemata- a, a system, I suppose. Um, you know, sometimes suspensions come out on Tuesday, sometimes they come out on Friday. I mean, there's no... There's no real system set in place that, you know, teams, fans, players will know, okay, if I'm suspended for X action that might be, you know, suspendable, uh, I'll know by this day. There's there's nothing in place for that. But I think also this, this situation is troubling on a wider level because of the potential for abuse. I mean, who's to say that a player can't be given a phantom red card? when there's no TV cameras present, when the team itself isn't aware of what's happened for days. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that's, that's what happened here. I don't think that's what happened. But I think that there's certainly a potential for something really crazy and, and uh, you know, unfortunate to happen, potentially, if, if situations like this Well, and, and not just abuse, but uh, uh, going forward, different players for different things, uh, you know, the penalties aren't always the same, and that can be kind of troubling. You know, what exactly does the disciplinary consider worth a two-week suspension really isn't clear, but we've got to move along. Yep, the duck tells us to move on, so here we go. Um, so turning to the other uh, SoCal team, the LA Galaxy clinched a playoff spot over the weekend with a 4-2 victory over Toronto FC. I know it's a big surprise. Um, but how do you reconcile the current form with the former panic back in, in May and, and earlier this season? Um, well, yeah, it's no, no surprise that the Galaxy beat Toronto FC. Uh, and that is one angle uh, to kind of look at the way the Galaxy have played uh, in the last two months. The schedule has not been grueling. Um, you know, no San Jose, no... Well, there was one road match in Seattle, which they lost. Um, so... It, the early season definitely had a more difficult schedule, and so a kind of easier schedule, some more home matches can kind of let the team get into good form. Um, the other sort of obvious answer is getting Gomar Gonzalez back has really, really, really helped out the back line. Um, you know, no clean sheets before. He's back, he comes back, and all of a sudden the Galaxy are sending teams out. Um, so it's not really a coincidence that uh, him coming back has gotten the form back um, as the offense has felt like they can trust the defense uh, to to keep things uh, the way Galaxy fans kind of have come to expect them over the last three years. Uh so, and we've seen a lot more out of Lana Donovan, Robbie Keane, uh, Janino has really stepped up. So, it, it, what it really ends up kind of coming down to uh, is just the uh, amount of, of depth that the, the Galaxy have uh, 
it was tested earlier in the year with injuries, but now that everyone is healthy again, um, well, you're trying to reach a point where once Beckham comes off the injury report, it's just the two season-ending injuries um, to players who really don't have a role anymore. I mean, Leonardo could have been useful, uh, but he went, himself got, went, went and got himself hurt again. So... It's really, it's been that confluence of everything going right. And you know, everyone's coming off injuries, the schedule is a little lenient, um, and they've just found this really good form and have been able to sort of push from there. Um, we'll find out uh, soon where the Galaxy are going to end up in CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, another competition that is very much uh, dependent on on a team's depth, and and really that's kind of I guess you could say all competitions kind of come down to just when people get injured, which they are. Uh, do you have the team to 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 keep up form to keep going forward? Yeah, I, I think all of those reasons are pretty valid and. and you know, make a lot of sense, but it also strikes me a little bit that it, it seemed, I mean, I think this is kind of a point in hindsight, but it seems like the team had a lot of, there was sort of a sense of a hangover kind of coming into the season, and I think, you know, in the middle of it, it, it sort of seemed inexplicable, but I think now that uh, they kind of, you know, they, they've got back in form, um, it, it sort of seems obvious, you know, I think 2011 really, um, you know, that was a, a good season, but it was a really hard season because, you know, a lot of the games were 1-0 victories. You know, there's a real, um, you know, focus around the entire team. And I think coming into the season, there may have been a, a little bit of a sense of accomplishment and kind of, you know, taking, taking it easy a little bit and, and having to get back into that form and get back into that mindset. And, and that's not an easy thing even for, for a team that's just won the championship. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but to me that seems like maybe something that also contributed to, to the um, struggles early on. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. You know, I think uh, the Galaxy was the three DPs, you know, Beckham's won championships in just about every European country, and Donovan's got experience with Everton, and Robbie Keane just coming over from a, you know, storied, let's face it, EPL career. Um, there's just, I don't say assumption, but folk kind of go, oh, it's just MLS, you know, they're not really gonna celebrate that hard, they're not gonna take that accomplishment that seriously, um, but that's, it's a crap attitude, like, they won a championship as a team, and they're excited, and yeah, there's a legitimate, uh, case to be made that they probably had a little bit of championship hangover, same way Manchester City is probably gonna have a little bit of championship hangover, just because leagues are different, uh, doesn't make those championships any less meaningful, let's say. Uh, but we'll continue to press on. Um, so we're starting to see some uh, reality information shows show up on our TV dials uh, about the backstage soccer stuff. Being Liverpool uh, is the one that just came out, and there's been the MLS 36 that has been ongoing on uh, NBC Sports Network. Uh, what are you getting out of these behind-the-scenes programs? 
Yeah, so I figured we could talk about this kind of one show and then the other, because I think they're doing a little bit of a different thing here. So let's start with the uh, MLS 36. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so far they've had uh, Chris Wondolowski, Freddie Montero, and Dwayne DeRosario. I think those are the only three players that they've uh, aired their episodes so far. Um, and, you know, the, it, it follows them for 36 hours, you know, leading up to a game, um, shows them at home, shows them interacting with family and teammates and, you know, things like that. Um, so it's access we haven't seen before. Um, I think it's pretty much unprecedented in league history, certainly. Um, plus some hilarious moments mixed in, and I want to say that I have a, a couple highlights that I really want to uh, bring up for those of you who have or haven't seen it. Um, in the Freddie Montero episode, they said that he scouted Chelsea by playing FIFA before he played them in real life. See, <laughs> I don't know if that was him saying he does that or if it was the announcer, so I'll give him you know, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. But I loved it in the, in the latest episode when um, De Rosario gets blown up by his teammates and his coach when he's at training because he goes into the uh, weight room and they're all incredulous because he apparently has never stepped foot in the weight room. He's trying to make a good appearance for the uh, cameras around, and uh, but they, they made sure and told everybody that he never steps foot in the weight room. And then uh, when he was at home, he was preparing a meal, and he was talking about how much he loves to cook, and one of his kids says, oh, Dad, you should not cook at all. That was hilarious. So there's some there's some real uh, gems in there mixed in with sort of the serious soccer talk. But, uh, no, I, I think that show's been it, it's been great. And like I said, I think the fact that there's even access, and it's, it's good access, too, it seems like, um, is it, interesting. And it, I think it's a really interesting concept. Uh, what do you think so far of it? Well, I, I think it's a good point that you raised that um, you know, it's, it's unprecedented access uh, for, for MLS. And I know NBC Sports has done this before for, uh, for the NHL. Um, in NHL 36, and I think maybe a NASCAR 36. Um, so it really, it, it shows that NBC Sports is taking the sport seriously, that they're going to promote it the same way that they promote NASCAR racing and NHL, that they're interested in giving a, giving MLS uh, the same treatment, which I think is really positive, um, sort of on, on, a, on a grander scheme kind of thing. Um, but there's also this show, uh, why is this so nice? Even being Liverpool, uh, I, I watched the uh, first two episodes over the weekend, and it's a, di- it's a different take. It's not that sort of reality series take. It's a little more of a tr- trying to be informative while still doing, you know, the kind of confessional interviews and whatnot. But you really get a sense of what it takes to, to run a team. Which is is nice. You, you get you get interviews with the the manager. Uh, I think you know, the chairman speaks a couple times, and uh, and my favorite part so far has been seeing the foreign players and what it takes for them to adjust uh, to 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 an English speaking world. Um, have you have you gotten the chance to watch it yet? Yeah, I have, and I you know I'm on board with what you're saying. I mean, I think uh, it's in the vein of shows like Hard Knocks and the 24-7 series that um, HBO does for various, usually for boxing, but they've done it for other things too. Um, it's not quite the same. I mean, it's similar, but it's not quite the same. I don't think it has the same access. It's similar, but not not quite there. But 
and I, I think that was a big step backwards after last season. Uh, you had an idea of where Nick LeBrocco was going to play. You had an idea of who was going to sort of be the engine deep in central midfield, and you had an idea of what was going to happen on the wings, and that never really came together this year. And I think, obviously, injuries played a role. Uh, obviously, a lot of new faces, maybe some who lived up to expectations, I think, Minda's been good, but a lot of the other guys have not. So it's just sort of a confluence of events that, that just destroyed whatever chemistry they built in 2011. And uh, as, a, as a whole, they just took a big step backwards. Uh, off the field, I mean, you, you wonder what it's going to take to catch the interest of, of the local fans. Uh, I, I know that it's a cheaper ticket than the Galaxy. It's also easier ticket than the Galaxy. Um, but I, it's a, it's a worry, you know. It's it's definitely a worry, and I, and I hope that uh, I hope that the front office there is able to put it together because it is a good market, and they can support two teams. They just haven't done it that great yet. All right. Well, uh, stepping back from the two SoCal teams, looking a little bit at uh, MLS as a whole, uh, we've got three spots in the West already locked up. Uh, but, you know, there's such a tight race in there for second, third, and fourth. Uh, October's probably going to be uh, pretty fun for MLS fans, don't you think? I, I do. I, I, if I were to have to call it right now, I'd say the Galaxy will probably take second, and I think Seattle has enough to take third, so we can see a, a, sort of a replay of the, uh, the 2010 playoffs there. Uh, RSL, I mean, they... They have all that experience and they have all that technique, but physically they're just not the same team they were two years ago. So I'd expect them to fade a little bit to fourth, and uh, they'll end up they'll end up facing Vancouver. Uh, as down on the Whitecaps as I am, I, I don't think they needed to make all those midseason changes. Uh, they just have, I mean, they have three home games left, whereas. Uh, Dallas have three road games, two of them. I mean, one's at CenturyLink and the other's at Buckshaw. It just it seems like such a stretch to imagine Dallas taking 10 points, which is probably what they'd need to pass Vancouver. But, yeah, I mean, it has the potential to be wild, and I think home field will really, really matter, uh, especially for the play-in round. All right, uh, let's finish up with this one. Um, if you could see any MLS player featured on MLS 36, who would you want it to be and why?
time to play another new game, and this week we're asking, what is the grade? Alright, first one. From Bend It Like Beckham to The Damned United, what grade would you give our current crop of soccer movies? I'm going to give it a B plus, um, mostly because right now there seems to be, like, there are really good soccer films, like Damned United, uh, like the one about the Manchester United plane crash, um, they all kind of take this historical slant, you know, it's, how are things back in the soccer world of the 1960s, which I love as, as a history buff, but it's not for everyone, and the current soccer films, you know, I'm not, you know, I haven't seen Goal, I'm, I, I, I don't really see what's coming out of the UK as much as I see you know, things like Ben, like Beckham, which are kind of more advertisements for soccer. You know, there's, they have a little, little intros for the women's league that failed two years later. Um, or you have, you know, you have these kids that are obsessed with the Colorado Rapids. And there's, there's no kid that has that many Rapids posters in their room. But it, you know, it feels like there's, it's either historical or it's, hey, everyone, let's buy soccer. Uh, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm on board with the B+, plus, but uh, I was thinking about it a little bit different way, and I think it's, it's it, to some extent, sort of where you're coming from here. I think one of the issues is that there have there hasn't been a movie that's that's drawn a wider audience. You know, there hasn't been, like, a, you know, like a Hoosiers for soccer, where people who really don't even care about sports that much are still sucked in by the, by the story. And I came up with an idea. I'm going to run it by you real quick. Let me know what you think, all right? It's called... My beer with the president, and uh, Carlos Bocanegra is going to be the lead character, and uh, it's set uh, the day of the Algeria game, after the game, in the 2010 World Cup. He meets Bill Clinton after the game, they share a beer, hijinks ensue, and I'm just going to leave it at that, because I want there to be some surprises when the movie comes out, but... What do you think? I mean, that's pretty good. I think that could be uh, amazing. Um, you'd have to do uh, a fake president, uh, but I think it, it writes itself, really, you know? Exactly. The hijinks will ensue. Um, but moving on, three teams in the West have qualified. Two teams in the East have been eliminated. How would you grade the MLS season as a whole thus far? Uh, I'm going to go with a solid B. I think, you know, to some extent it's a little hard to say because we're still in the middle of it, but there's new teams emerging, you know, and, and sort of making a surprise run this year. There's some stalwarts who are remaining in place, so there's some stability. Uh, there's some teams that are disappointing, so there's some surprise. It's not all stable. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say how it's going to turn out with the playoffs still to come, but I think that there's been something for just about everybody this season. I think almost every team, well, actually, I think every team's had high, high points and low points this season. Um, and, you know, I'm saying that as a Chivas fan, that there, <laughs> there have been good moments for everybody. So, uh, so I'm going to go with a B. Uh, I'm going to go with a little higher with an A-. Um, I, I really liked seeing some new teams emerge. Um, I like that Chicago has really kind of been a surprise, a solid, underrated surprise, but what have you. San Jose, I don't want to say they come out of nowhere, because Wondolowski's been scoring a million goals for a few years now, um, 
but who knew that they were going to have a LA Galaxy style run? Um, you know, and it's good to have some new blood at the top. It's good to have uh, something different happening. Uh, last, I think, the last two years, MLS has lacked that drama. And even though there's no one really chasing San Jose, that that middle part is still really uh, jumbly wumbly. Um, and I mean, mathematically, Chivas and SC Dallas are still in it. Um, yeah, I really don't have as good a grasp on the East, but I like Kansas City. Um, I like them coming out. Uh, it's been really great for the league and their new stadium and all these things. I think comparing it to what we've had recently, it's, it's been a good season. Yeah, I agree. And there's more to come, so that's good. Uh, next topic. So FIFA 13 was released this week for all you video game folks out there. What's your grade on the latest version? I'm going to go with a B, and it pains me to say that. Uh, and the reason I'm going to go with the B is just because there's so... There are some cool features in the new version of FIFA. Like they've got um, a new ball control system to where, you know, crosses aren't automatically glued to the forward speed, um, which is a great improvement. makes it look more realistic. You kind of have to work your way into controlling the ball. That's a good feature. Um, but the shell of the game, the you know, everything, all these little features where they fit into is still very much the same. It's still... A bit of a it's a roster update. They had a couple of new stadiums, jerseys get updated, and then they asked for another sixty dollars. So I don't know. It just doesn't seem to me like we're getting revolutionary games on top of each other. We're getting more of the same. But have you gotten a chance to to look at it? No, I'm gonna see the floor a little bit on this. I mean, I I, I can't give it a grade. I haven't played FIFA in years. Um, I think the last version I played was 2005, so I'm sure my mind would be thoroughly blown if I saw it today, and I know I wouldn't be able to play it. Um, but, I mean, as far as, you know, sort of making the big leaps forward, I mean, how how often does the game sort of move forward in a, you know, in a, in a big leap? I mean, is, it, is this something that happens every every year almost, or does it happen every three or four years? I mean, what's the, the typical cycle for the, for the FIFA game? It, it, it's more like three or four. Um, you'll, you'll have probably three or four games on, they call it the engine, the same engine, and then, you know, the release of a, of a new engine is a huge deal, um, and then that'll sell a bajillion copies because it'll be completely different, but, you know, that sort of revamping the system doesn't, doesn't happen that often, and, uh, it's one of the weird quirks of the video game industry that, you know, people will pay $60 for what essentially comes down to roster updates. Um, but moving on, former England international Emil Heskey signed with the Newcastle Jets of the A-League this week. What's the grade for Heskey in the A-League? All right, so I'm going to give an A for Heskey. I think this is a best-case scenario for him to get a deal in a league that would love to have him. You know, this is a chance for him to play, to make some money. Um, to probably contribute, I think in a you know in a pretty pretty good way, um, and it, I think 
this doesn't mean he's going to have to sort of start making the um, move downward in the tiers of English football like, you know, players used to have to do. Um, I think for the A-League, it's a B-plus. Um, I think if he was the only European star coming over, uh, that would be a bit of a problem. I think he's not quite the caliber of star to, uh, you know, to sort of um, hang the marketing campaign on. But I think the fact that he's coming uh, along with Alessandro Del Piero, who is the marquee star, certainly. Um, and then last season, Harry Kuehl, obviously an Australian international, uh, you know, coming back to Australia to play. Um, you know, they've come back and Kuehl came back last year. You know, so so he's not the Husky's not the only star. Um, and I think this is going to be a good position for him. And I think it'll give the league a boost, a little bit of a boost in international and domestic attention, which is good. And then finally, I'm going to give a bonus A plus for MLS. I think I think it's a great sign. We didn't sign Husky, and I'm not meaning any disrespect to the A league at all. But I think that MLS is ten years um, farther along in their development, and I think that uh, you know the league's kind of beyond somebody like Husky, who I think has a a limited skill set at this point, um, signing with, with the team and, and being a real marquee player at this point. So that's those are my multiple grades for the Husky move. What do you think? Um, well, real quickly, I guess I'll say that um, probably give a B plus to the A League for this move. For Husky, it's an A minus. Um, there's more to say, but that's the duck. So, um, you know, we hope you enjoyed our show. Um, I guess one last little note. I was watching uh, Cal take on LMU in soccer uh, this past weekend, and Cal came out wearing the U.S. men's national team, that sash that Nike uh, put out. And it kind of reminded me, like, that's my favorite uh, jersey template. Like, I love, I love a sash. I'm a sash person. And I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite uh, jersey template? Wow. Oh, man. You know, I'm going to have to go with the... Uh, I'm going to have to go with the, the big star that was on uh, uh, Juventus's uh, pink away jerseys a couple years ago. Oh, nice. Totally unique. Yeah. I'm sure it was ugly, but it was totally unique. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't get stars that often. Wow! I, I was sure you were gonna, gonna go with uh, vertical stripes, so you uh, surprised me there. Um, all right, well that's it for our show. You can find me at R O C K N J O S I E, uh, and Alicia, where can we find you? At Soccer Musings, all one word as usual. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.